Hi, everyone. Welcome to the African Dialogue podcast. I hope you're well and keeping safe. Today, we have a special guest with us, Margaret Moape. And I know that all of you will really learn a lot from the work that she's doing. So welcome, Margaret, and thanks for being on the African Dialogue podcast. Thank you for having me, Pezu. Thank you. I appreciate it. You're welcome. So maybe just to start out, uh, could you tell us just a bit about yourself? Who is Margaret? Okay, so uh, my full names are Margaret Musondo Mwape. I am a lawyer, uh, a philanthropist, um, um, the founder of the Margaret Musondo Mwape Foundation. So um, that's a foundation that um, deals with children, underprivileged children and women. Um, I am Zambian and that's about me, basically. All My right. My nationality, yes. Thank you. Um, so um, thank you for explaining that. Has any part of your professional background, um, has it contributed to you starting your foundation or is there a way that they feed into each other in any way? Okay, so yes and no. So no on the basis that when I started the foundation, well, when I was younger, I, I knew I loved to serve and I knew I was called to serve people. So at that point, say around about my 10th grade, I, I realized and had a strong conviction that I'm called for this to just, I enjoy serving people. I enjoy making the lives of people around me better. So at that point, I hadn't even figured out what I would study in university. So um, my know is that my starting of the foundation, my professional background didn't exactly influence the establishment of the foundation. Although now looking back, I'm glad that I actually studied law because the two fit into each other. I think I wouldn't have picked any other profession but law. So with a foundation, we look at human rights as well. For me, I believe if I'm going to elevate someone's life, um, uh, underprivileged people's lives, I have to protect, I have to have a way of protecting the human rights. So the two fit into each other in so many ways in that also we as a foundation, we are looking into, which we've started on a, on a small basis for now, but we are looking into offering pro bono um, services to marginalized groups. So the two, looking back, the two have, they, they coexist. And I'm glad that it, it has worked out like that. That's yes. really good. That's really good to hear. And um, I also like the emphasis on the, protection of human rights, also just considering that yesterday was actually Human Rights Day. So I think it's, yeah. it's, it's quite pertinent. 
Um, yeah. So you've, you've mentioned, for example, how you're offering some pro bono services and how you your thought process around starting the foundation. Um, so could you also explain what other areas of work that you focus on and when the foundation started, as well as how it's grown or changed over time? Okay. Um, so the foundation, oh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's quite a background, but then the foundation started when um, around about 2010, they about. And I don't know if you would like me to actually explain how it's like the birth of it. So like I said, I'm, I'm passionate about people. So one time I, it was, it was like a dream, you know, of uh, in that dream, I, I, I went to, um, to an orphanage near my school, near my, so I was at Mpelembe Secondary School in Kitwe. So what happened then, in that dream, I went to uh, an orphanage near that school. But then when I woke up from a dream, it was more like of an instruction. When I woke up from there, I was wondering to myself to say, listen, I used to use that route so many times and I never saw an orphanage there. So something in me told me to take a walk and check um, um, the, the route that I used to use. And I found an orphanage. So I was like, you know what? I took it as a sign to say this wasn't just a unique dream. It was a sign. So from then, um, I started um, small by just visiting the same orphanage and other orphanages in Kitwe. And I would take necessities like food. Um, I would hold Christmas parties, such things. Um, so then, um, fast forward, that was around 2010, there was university in between. So I wasn't too active in Zambia because I, I was in school, I was in ASA in school. So then I continued just doing community work and uh, community engagement under the university I was at. Then when I came back, I came back 2016, in 2017, I told myself to say, um, let's do more. Yes, it's good to take handouts like um, um, necessities like groceries and ABCD and help with uh, school fees here and there. But then I told myself for, for the foundation, for, the, for whatever I was doing by then, actually, I hadn't even registered it. By then, actually, um, I hadn't even given it a name. I remember going back to my late dad and asking him to say, I do this and I want this to be an organization. What name should I give it? And um, he told me after a pause, he told me, he was like, just name it after your name, your, 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 your names. And I was like, oh, okay. And that's how actually the name came about. I just thought of giving that background. So that's how I just called it the Margaret Nsondomape Foundation. So um, fast forward now to where I was saying, um, when I came back, I realized to say, I learned so much with the community work I used to do in South Africa. And I said, I want to do more. How can I build uh, more um, uh, vibrant, sustainable communities? Um, giving handouts is not enough because you see, 
Um, Pezu, they say um, it's better to give, it's better to teach someone how to fish than give them fish. So I figured the, the way we're going to do that is um, my focus is on children and women only, and I'll explain that in a bit. So I figured I have to come up with permanent solutions. So I looked at a child. What permanent solution can I give a child? I told myself education. You know, there's nothing education I feel personally has felt to sort out, you know. So then women, I why women? Women, because when I when I did a research, most um, homes in Zambia um, headed by women. So I, I figured if I empower a woman, I know that that woman will empower her child that woman will take her child to school uh, they say money in a woman's hand is used to take care of her children which i feel is very true unless that mother is something else but usually mothers will do anything well even fathers but yes the emphasis is on women and children because of that fact that women head most of the households in Zambia, especially in these rural places in Zambia. Most, when you take a look, most households are headed by women. Um, yes, so then I figured education will do for, for the children because I know when I empower this child with an education, I'm not only empowering the child, but I will empower that family the child is coming from. So we're breaking a cycle, we're breaking uh, a poverty cycle. So once a child starts from grade one to 12, they finish. And I encourage the children we deal with to always do their best to get very good results. Because I tell them, listen, when you have very good results, anyone, anyone will want to sponsor your university. Scholarships are there. De it depends on your results. If your results are good, you will get your, your scholarship. Then, um, so with that, we are. Uh, we are coming up with a permanent solution as opposed to me going there taking soap and groceries every month for how long are we going to do that so that's where it all came from um the foundation has grown so much um um i mean we started with just uh going to the orphanages and helping underprivileged uh people by giving them you know, day-to-day -day necessities. But now we're looking at, as of 2020, we did um, something. I, I think for me, that's something I can say I have recorded as a big um, step for the foundation where we um, facilitated about 100 and um, close to 150 children. We facilitated um, their stay in school. We helped with stationery. We helped with uh, sanitary pads because as for the ladies, the girls, we actually discovered that this is real in this rural, um, in our rural communities. The girls actually miss school, um, about five days of school around that time of the month. And it was heartbreaking to know so. so we what we did then was supply give them enough supply um sanitary pads stationary for the whole year yeah and for me i think that's that's growth 
that's growth. I know we can do more. There's more to be done, but I feel like we have pushed beyond what we actually thought we could. I actually, I was amazed at the end of the, cause we, we, we run the back to school program every year. So in, in January, we run this whole back, back to school. I was shocked at what we did. I think I thought we'll be taking about 10 or so children back to school, but then it ended up being about 100 and close to 150. Yes, um, so that's that's the the growth we've um, uh, we've registered so far, and that's what we're about so far. And then maybe just to add in on the emphasis of women and children, my belief is that it's a trickle down. I believe in the knock on effect. It's like a trickle down. So when you empower a woman or a child, you empower a family. Then when you empower a family. You empower a community. When you empower a community, it's at family level, but over time, the dynamics change. What started at a family level gets to a national level because then there's issues of increased economic growth. There's issues of reduced um, gender inequality. There's issues of you know, the more people are doing well in the, in, in the nation, the better for the nation and the nation's economy. So for me, it starts, it starts like now, like, like a joke. Oh, it's just one child. We're taking a child to school. But then the impact is massive. And this is what I always tell our, our partners to say, it might look small, like it's just one child, but the impact is massive because that one child has a ripple effect on the nation, on the family, because I would like to believe if that child is empowered economically or empowered with skills or an education, they will try to also lift their brother, their sister and so on. Yes, so that's where we are busy with that. Um, thanks a lot. And it's really good to hear all the incredible work that you're doing and how you foresee the ripple effect of uh, some of the work that you do. Um, so maybe just the next question I would ask is, what is the hardest decision um, that you've had to make either from the establishment of the foundation or even recently, or it could even be a decision that maybe affected your personal life, but then um, had an impact on the running of the foundation? And how have mm. you overcome that? Okay. Um, I'll answer it in two ways. So the hardest decision, the, there's been um, hard decisions that I've had to make concerning the, the foundation. It's... it's um, let me maybe start from saying that it's something that I love. Actually, um, people get shocked when I tell them to say, I love what I do with the foundation more than what I actually do in court. More than, I think more than being a lawyer, there's a fulfillment and joy that comes in doing, in just seeing another life, you know, get better and thrive. So with the, the hardest the, the first, I would say, hardest decision I had to make with the foundation was that I had to sacrifice a lot. Um, 
it has been overwhelming. It still is overwhelming. It's, it's you know, when you have a vision, most times only you understand the vision. Usually, even if you explain it to other people, they don't get it as much as you do the vision career. So for me, it's been hard trying to create this picture. That's why I think I'm sure you're wondering from 2010, it's now 2021, was still growing. One would think from 2010, we should be big and very well established, but truth is we're still growing. Why? Because there's been a process. It's been a process of making decisions. And the foundation is not the only thing I focus on because obviously there's the aspect of my career, my profession. So it's, it's been me sacrificing. I've had to sacrifice so much time, my time of which I, I don't regret. I've had to leave certain things and say, put certain things aside and say, let me work on the foundation. It has to move because for how long are we going to, for how long is it going to be an idea? So it has to become a full picture. So with that, I've made, um, I've put a lot of personal things aside. And maybe recently, um, the hardest decision I've had to make has been that um, with the children that we have now, um, I decided to, we identified more children from Chongwe, about 30 children. And that's a hard decision, honestly, because I can tell you these children are not in school yet. So these are children that are out of school completely because they have no means at all, no means at all to just be in school. In as much as school is, education is free, but you know, there's aspects of books, aspects of paying. Some, some schools, some community schools require a certain payment. There's aspects of um, pens and just all these things, uniforms and ABCD. So I say to myself, okay, we're gonna get 16 to 30. Actually, we came up with 30, then we reduced the number to 16 because we thought maybe for now we are, we are overstretching it. So it's been a hard decision. One, because I can't watch, I can't stand and watch year in, year out these children, watch them not go to school. But then again, I'm looking at the resources of the foundation at the moment. Um, it's, we're not, our resources, what we, we're mobilizing resources. So it's not like the resources are there to take the children. So it's a hard decision because I have embarked on this journey and come January, which is I think a few weeks from now, three weeks, by the time they'll be opening, I have to have a plan for those 16 children. Um, it's a hard decision because really, I'm still figuring it out. It, it was more of a, a leap of faith. I said, you know what, let me just get them on board. Come January, they're going to be in school. How it's going to be done, honestly, I'm still stra uh, strategizing and um, um, hoping to, to, mo to mobilize resources for them so that's it's it's hard because you're in a fix of i don't want to fail them i i don't i will it, it feels it's it's a bad feeling honestly i feel bad i feel bad when i look at them and i'm thinking i feel helpless nothing can be done 
so that's where we are so i feel for me that's 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 one or two um hard decisions that i've had to make concerning the foundation thank you very much for sharing that and um i'm just hopeful that um that it's all going to work out um, in the end. And I think this ties into our next question about how can people contribute and become involved in the work of the foundation? Okay, thank you for that question, Bezu. Um, firstly, I would like to state that, um, so to, to come on board or to contribute, towards the work of the foundation um we it's not i don't look at it as contribution in monetary form really because for me even an idea goes a long way give us ideas i believe in ideas because ideas grow give us ideas you know to say okay maybe this is how you can do this this is how you can do that this is how you can grow. Give us um, even your time, actually, that we, under the foundation, apart from what we do, the whole back to school education, promotion of education and empowerment of women with skills and loans, the other thing we do is mentorship. So there are a lot of these children who want to be mentored. And I know even on your platform, uh, Pezu, I know you have people that, can, that are great mentors that can mentor these children because you know it's not enough to just give them an education you, you see these children in these communities go through a lot so now you're thinking um you need to recondition the mind in a certain way so um i wanted to just highlight that we're not it's not only about the monetary form but also we are glad to receive ideas we're glad to receive people on board to volunteer to just work with us to to go in these communities with us to mentor to yes to just be part of of the team it 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 will be so it, it would be refreshing to actually receive people to volunteer and then in terms of um contributing maybe now we get back maybe to the core business which is for now, we're really focused on children and getting them into school. So um, one can come on board and say, maybe I can buy five books, I can buy five pens, and then we can receive that. And there's always um, an accountability process and transparency process. So we always give feedback. We always show our partners that this is what we've done. I know people are against documenting these activities but for us we feel it's a must these have to be documented because people are putting in um effort people people are putting in the resources so you know we don't want to say oh we will not show you a video of abcd because abcd at the end of the day our partners count and we have to show results so yes so people can come on board um people can get my number they can come on board in whichever form they uh, they feel convenient for them. The monetary form, um, we we rarely receive um, money, but when we do, we 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 actually um, ensure that it goes to what 
the partner has stated they want to buy. So maybe if you're too busy, you can't, um, you don't have time to go look for ABCD, you can come to say, okay, this is what I am pledging. And my team uh, and I will, will ensure that we we use what you what you've pledged for the purpose you've pledged it for and we, we we show you receipts we do everything so yes that's what that's how people can contribute and maybe just to add on if i'll be very very happy if people liked our facebook page which is just the margaret and sondomata foundation because there we we're going to be posting more of our projects and from there people can pick up what they can um be more interested in 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 doing yes all right thanks a lot margaret and i'm sure our listeners will follow your facebook page so that they can be engaged and kept more up to date with uh, the work of the foundation so just on the last question um i know in between having your law career, uh, running the foundation, it would also be nice to know what you do in some of your free time and also a mantra that you live by or a particular um, something that motivates you that you live by. Okay, thank you, uh, Pezu. Um, <laughs> When when I when I heard um, when you said uh, what I do, I was almost saying to say, Ish, this law profession is, is a life-consuming one to the extent that you you know you just you just have no time for yourself." But personally, I have told myself, "I live by in life you should have a balance." too much of everything is not right. It's, it's bad. Actually, I will even state it's, it's illegal. You know, like just have a balance. And when you have a balance, you will have time to do everything. Cause I can tell you it gets stressful to the extent that the other, this year I was looking back, I like to, to take stock of my year. I was looking back and I was thinking, I haven't, I like to read books outside law reports. I just love to read books. And I was thinking, I felt bad because I hadn't read so much. And then I told myself then that I haven't balanced my time this year well. So really what I do in my, other than the, the foundation and, and, and law, um, I like to rest because now I'm usually tired. So I like to rest. And for me, resting includes, it could be anything. It could be sleeping. It could be catching up on TV shows. It could be hanging out with friends. I, I love that. I try to remain a social human being by all means because too much of me focusing on my career and too much of me focusing on the foundation is just not good. It, there has to be a balance. For every human being, I think to thrive, you have to come to a point where you give almost everything that's important to you. You, you give those things almost, it's hard, but almost the same attention. It's necessary. Yeah, so that's what I live by. And I just take each day really, each day at a time. Uh, 
I don't want to, you know, when you think so much, because especially with the foundation, when I overthink things, yeah, I end up getting demotivated and stressed. So I've told myself balance and take each day as it comes. For that day, if it means you're not running that day, if it means you're crawling or walking that day, just take each day as it comes. That's what I, I remind myself. I know the goal. I've set the goals. But if it means that day for me to get and all I I think we lost you for a bit. I, there, I need to make a movement too. I will crawl towards 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 my uh towards my goal. So it's all about balance and and taking each day as it comes. That helps me a lot. That has been very, very helpful, especially as an adult, because you have so much to do, but less time. It feels like there's just 24 hours is not enough. Yes. So thank you, Pezu. Thanks a lot. We had actually lost you for like um, just a few seconds, but I'm glad we actually still got the last the last bit and it all um it all tied in very, very well. So that's good. I'll just like to say thank you very much for your time. And um, it's really inspiring all the work that you're doing. I think um, we need to have more people who are just self-starters, who are willing to help um, communities to ensure the betterment of people, but most importantly also the protection of their human rights, being able to give them a fair chance at um, other opportunities such as education and um, entrepreneurial skills, as you mentioned as well. So I would just like to say thank you very much for your time. And I'm sure our listeners are also equally inspired by the work that you do. Thank you very much, Faisa. Thank you for having me. It has been an honor to be part of your uh, program, uh, part of the dialogue. And I look forward to more of this. It's been refreshing, actually. It has been refreshing. And thank you. Thank you.